Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. If you are new to the show or you've been watching for a while, please go to mattbelair.com, sign up for the email list, support on Patreon, or do anything like that because I am getting censored like crazy, deleted, and all that kind of fun stuff. So if you're watching out there, you want to stay in touch, go to mattbelair.com. Okay. Today's guest is the founder of Behold Treats, a bespoke wellness provider that facilitates life-changing plant medicine journeys to explore your inner world, discover your truth, and live your full potential. He is passionate about raising awareness on the benefits of plant medicine like ayahuasca and psilocybin, and its potential to improve well-being and raise consciousness. This led him to launch Behold Retreats in 2020, tailoring memorable plant medicine experiences in a safe, legal, and highly supported setting. Welcome to the show, Jonathan DePotter. Good to be here, Matt. Thanks you. Uh, thank you for having me on your show. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. You're in a very beautiful environment. You are down the road from one of our former guests, Naraj Nayak. So you're in a good spot, um, you know, and you're doing some really cool work as well. So why don't we just dive in and, and get you to talk a little bit about your background because you have a very interesting background. You know, you're moving towards hosting and, and creating retreats, but also facilitating in the, in the switch and what we discussed uh, before going on here is how do we integrate these teachings because you know ayahuasca and plant medicine have really exploded in the last five years um, yeah. but we have this um, challenge where sometimes people think it's this like quick fix or this quick pill but we need to integrate the work so we talked about that a little bit before the show but why don't you give us a little background on on who you are and how you came to doing what you're doing yeah, sure thing. Um, so, so I grew up in Hawaii. Um, Hawaii is a very substance-rich environment, and you know, like like most Americans, I got the the standard narrative around you know all drugs are bad. And from what I saw around me growing up, I, that kind of that fit the narrative that we were taught in school. Um, and so I actually, you know, I grew up with super hippie parents, and um, of course, I rejected absolutely everything new age, alternative, spiritual um, from a very, very young age, and um, and went down the corporate path. And uh, you know, so I, I moved to New Zealand, um, studied there, worked there in the corporate world for a number of years, as corporate as New Zealand can get, anyway. Uh, and then, and then subsequently moved to uh, to Hong Kong, um, where I started working as a as a strategy consultant, um, predominantly with Fortune 500 companies, you know, doing digital strategy work and um, in, in large scale uh, digital transformation programs. And, um, and it was kind of in that life, Hong Kong lifestyle, it's super fast paced. Like, you know, New York, New York is asleep and, and Hong Kong is still raging. Like it's, it's really, a, it's a fast paced city. And, um, you know, after, after five years there chasing the, chasing the, the levels on the ladder and, um, you know, I had a good life. I had great friends. Life was good traveling a lot, but, but something just, something was missing. And I just, I fundamentally didn't know what it was. Um, and so I took a year off. And um, as part of that year off, found my way with a couple of buddies in, uh, in an ayahuasca retreat in Peru. And, uh, you know, I went in a little bit of an angry, impatient atheist. And, uh, and I just got, I just got about my, uh, got my head blown off to be, to be, <laughs> to speak honestly, it was so overwhelmed. You know, I was undereducated. I was underprepared. Um, and, uh, and, and literally a month later, I was back to the same asshole that I was before. So, uh, so, you know, it was, um, I, I safe to say that I, I had a pretty profound experience, but I really did not get the most out of it. And so, um, I didn't see that at the time. It was just kind of like, it kind of kicked this door open that I kind of gradually 
closed over the course of that that subsequent month. And um, it and, reminds me of one then, of those nope memes. You know, it's like nope. <laughs> I gotta, no. It's like it opens up the door and shatters your brain in a million different pieces, and you're like, nah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna worry about that. But <laughs> you can't fit the puzzle back the exact same way, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I was still carrying around like I had a Richard Dawkins book with me. And, I, you know, I'm a big fan of his work. And, you know, it's all like atheistic, you know, um, evolution is is pure chaos and, and all of that sort of thinking. And, um, you know, <laughs> and I was like, wow, what? Uh, and so and so, yeah, I guess that kind of began me on this journey of, um, you know, I, I did subsequent plant medicine work for for it probably took me about a year to get back to it. Um, and then, and then, you know, began to work with medicines more, more careful, carefully and um, being able to integrate more. And, and you know, honestly, I, I felt like I was making great steps along the path. Um, and I had gone to a few of the other kind of very highly reputed retreat centers that are out there. And, you know, yeah, I could see, you know, I was less impatient. I was more empathetic. Um, but, but then, what I now see is that I wasn't actually making that much progress at all. Um, and that it wasn't until I stumbled upon some, some practitioners who are doing this work at the absolute highest level um, that they just really like just, it was an exponential relationship in terms of the way that they were able to elevate, elevate my consciousness and my understanding of the, the potential of this work. And so that really began the, the motivation behind behold retreats, which is okay. There's, you know, this is a pretty, unregulated space, right? Unfortunately, this huge gap we've got between science and policy has led to the fact that either it's illegal or, and so it's, it's happening underground or two, it's happening in an unregulated environment. And so there's no standards um, for, for quality, for care, for safety. Um, and so that were, you know, that was really the motivation behind Behold Retreats. It's like, okay, these, these experiences are so incredibly powerful. Um, but, but as and when people are doing this work, you know, let's make sure that one, they're, they're fully informed about the decision that they're making, what they're getting themselves into. Two, they're well prepared, um, uh, you know, have the right intentions. Know, you know, they know the dark corners that they've got to look into when they've got that expanded access to their subconscious. And, and that they're really guided by expert facilitators and then properly integrated because, you know, the, the integration is, as we spoke about before we kicked off, I mean, the integration is absolutely the fundamental component. I mean, to have this giant, you know, unicorns in the jungle, I am the universe experience. And then, you know, the next day you're, you're back or the next week you're back in traffic, you know, and you're flipping off the guy in traffic. It's like, okay, what happened there between <laughs> I am the universe and flipping off that guy in traffic? So, so there's a lot, there's a lot to do this. And, you know, I think this is such a powerful tool and modality, but that's not the work. The work is, uh, the work is elevating consciousness and making improvements to the quality of your life. If you, if you've done a bunch of psychedelics and still have shitty relationships in your life, then you've missed, you've missed something like you've substantially missed something. Yeah, you touched on a lot there that I absolutely agree with. And I'd love for you to describe the distinction between um, the level of, of whether it was the facilitators or the people who've been doing the work a lot, because I've definitely seen this in, you know, the festival communities and, and going around to a lot of these different spaces. I've, I've been to a variety of different retreats. I've talked to a variety of different shamans level, you know, very, very different levels. Um, of what I'd say mastery and skill set and understanding. And I think that's a huge distinction because if you're new to it, you you can't really tell. You know, like if you suck at um, martial arts and you're a jujitsu guy, you can get all these um, – you know, newbies in and fake it, right? But there's this actually, there's this one jujitsu guy who goes around and exposes fake other jujitsu guys and says, stop doing that. This is like, you know, you need to respect this art. Don't be, 
telling people you're a black belt when you're not. And so that's kind of something I see a little bit in the um, psychedelic space and a little bit in the ayahuasca space. And then that can lead to um, bad experiences for people, right? That's kind of like the dark side of it. But on the flip side, there is massive opportunity to open a door if you're ready. It can facilitate, but I feel like in my view anyway of, of, I'd say a little bit more mature approach. I don't know, but I've always liked to dive right into things. And, and for me, ayahuasca was very beneficial when I was younger, you know, in the teachings of David Lone Bear Senapas, you know, Native American elder, he was like, you know, don't do them, you know, do the inner work. And I was like, okay, that's cool f- for a while. Um, and so either way, I think whatever you do, um, is totally fine. I, I don't know what's right for anyone else. I only know, you know, my own choices and my own intuitions of what I'd like to do with myself and my body and my consciousness and my exploration. And all of this is to say, I, f- I feel like it's the intention. So if you're going to go into the space and you're going to use the medicine as an intention to grow um, and to explore, then that's great because that's the starting point. Hopefully that can crack the door open to give you the opportunity to then do the work to, you know, if it's the jujitsu, show up at the gym every day to develop a level of mastery. And with the ayahuasca or the psilocybin, which we now see the science coming out and tons of transformational experiences of people that taking that opportunity and then really going with it, understanding like this isn't going to solve everything, but maybe it will give you that opportunity, that energy, that insight, that awareness to open up the door for something more. So I feel like the core principle of that is your will and your intention. You know, I am looking to um, connect to myself and spirit. I am looking to grow mentally, emotionally, experiencing. I'm looking to make a difference and make a transition, and I'm committed to the follow through. And so, I'm going to shut up now and ask you what you think of all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think uh, absolutely. And I think um, what what I came to recognize when I when I met these real these real experts was that the journey doesn't need to be as as torturous as is uh, as can be you know as as commonly can be the case and and certainly as elements of of my own journey uh my own journey were um yeah, I mean I think it's uh, as you say there's there's you know any man or or woman um can have their profound, you know, experience somewhere down in the jungle, spend a couple extra weeks learning a few bits and pieces, bring a bottle of ayahuasca back to Brooklyn and, uh, you know, and then put a feather in their hat and then away they go. And, and that's happening. Like there's a lot of that happening. Um, now the, the healers that, that and, and the people who are doing this work at, the, at a high level do consider themselves healers. They're doing the energetic work. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm not a healer, right? Um, but I have felt and I have been in the, in the presence of healers who are able to move energies through your body and do things things with your um, with your spiritual body in ways that are that are ineffable as as these experiences always are um, and so you know after having been to eight ten group retreats where you've got the Matpacho and the Icaros and the you know all of those sorts of things happening I'm like okay this is what you know this is what this tradition is about but it's actually like no there's there is post-shamanic value here that um, reconnects predominantly with source energies rather than uh, with animistic um, earth earth energies that can be on the spectrum of light to dark. Um, and, and so the healers that, that are doing this work at the, at the very highest level see that. And, and also they're, they're very, they're very tuned into the field. Right. And so, 
um, when there's, you know, there's uh, some, some spiritual guidance that's, that sits with, with, with our business and, and behind us that is able to calibrate conscious levels of, of an individual. So, you know, if I show them the, the photo and, and name of someone, they can tell me, okay, this person is calibrating at, at this level. And they use Dr. David Hawkins work, if you may be familiar, um, to, to be able to calibrate the level of consciousness. And the first time I thought, you know, I'm a skeptical person, right? I thought, okay, that's, that's an interesting trick. I don't know what you've done there, but you know, the 50th, the 60th time that they've done that and, and they've done it in a way that exactly reflects my experience of the individual. You go, okay, this is not just some nonsense. There's actually levels of consciousness and that's how they speak together. There are a couple, um, that's how they speak to one another in terms of levels of consciousness of, of their clients that they're working with. So I was like, okay, there's clearly something here. Um, and it's really guided me towards understanding that this work is predominantly about elevating your consciousness and the experiences and breakthroughs that come with that um, in relation to self, in relation to other, in relation to, you know, relationship to to the, the natural world and also our motivations, whether they're, they're motivated around the self, motivated around others, or motivated around the world or motivated around the future. And that's been my own kind of progression is, you know, first it was, you know, motivations in the corporate world around myself, then, you know, establishing this business, um, helping others, but then also very much it's the motivations move to like, how do we make this a substantially better world, like as quickly as possible, because good God, it's needed. Yeah, absolutely. Especially at this time. And, and while you're chatting, I'm going to pull up a, a Hawkins scale of consciousness. Because when I first saw that, I was like, what the flying bananas is this? This is, this is wild. But I, I loved even just the layout of how it went through the emotions and feelings. And unfortunately, I've got like a low res one, but I'll, I'll figure it out. So what I want to ask you, though, is, is you're keeping up to date and focusing a lot on the science as well and, and understanding. I know that there is a lot of Great work done by MAPS. That is the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelics, I believe, right? That's the, that's the term. And um, they've done some great work with psilocybin. They've also done some great work with uh, MDMA and, and, you know, those counseling sessions. And, you know, I was pretty old before I first tried one and mine was more of a party atmosphere. Um, yeah. And uh, at Burning Man, I was like, oh my goodness, this is wild. And so, um, but, you know, that was like the kind of the, the young you know, party version, even though I was in my thirties, but I wanted to know what it was like. And that was the first time, you know, I wanted to, um, experiment with another psychedelic, um, you know, LSD. And I did it by myself in the forest cause I wanted to know what it was like. And I was terrified of it, but I, I wanted to use it and treat it as a meditation. And lo and behold, I'm in the forest in the middle of nowhere in like the woods in Seattle and the mountains and the friggin' UFO shows up and I have that video on YouTube and it's like, you know, this thing out of the sky. And of course I would show up. I mean, nobody would believe me, obviously, if I was like, yeah, you did acid in the forest and a UFO showed up. I was like, have it on film, you son of a gun, you know? <laughs> and it's weird because the thing actually with my camera and I went back and got two cameras, it disappears and reappears. Like it's like this blip. And it was the trip. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. But this, I had done the um, acid at noon. And this was at uh, 1 a.m. in the morning or, or midnight. So it had long worn off. And again, nobody would believe me unless I had the, the footage. And I have about 40 minutes of footage of this really weird flickering thing in the middle of nowhere in the forest. But I'll go back to the original um, experience for me was I wanted to expand my consciousness. I wanted to uh, connect to myself and nature and spirit in a deeper way. And my my hope was that it would open a door to um, more peace and more understanding and more possibility. And, you know, maybe some people don't want to make that choice, but when I did, I did it by myself in the forest and I definitely wouldn't recommend that to everybody. Um, 
but that's how I wanted to do it, you know? And I had a really yeah. profound experience in doing that. And that was the first time I saw, you know, a, a UFO. And again, I have it on film. So you don't have to believe me, but there is film footage. And so, but it, that being said, when you look at maps and you look at these institutions and you look at now, okay, let's take these things seriously. Like why, why were these different medicines used at different times? What, what does it do to the brain, right? What does mm-hmm. it do to our consciousness? Is it one of those things where, we have a, a benefit and we're like, oh, hurrah, and it's great. And then there's a negative uh, side effect later. But what I've seen so far in the scientific literature is it's very promising. And I feel like if people, um, you know, take either psychedelics or ayahuasca or even MDMA, especially in a therapy setting, there can yeah. be very massive breakthroughs using it as an opportunity. Because the thing is, people get stuck in the same level of consciousness. They're always yeah. thinking. They're always, they can't break away from that. And at least at the very the very least it breaks that into something else. So it breaks that pattern. It breaks that mental map of the world and shakes it up. And it just gives you a moment to breathe because people are really unable to do that through their will. They just, they just don't know how. So um, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. It's um, so much to build upon there. I think um, one, uh, I think one, it's worth recognizing that pretty much all of us have been traumatized as children, right? Um, we've had, we've had experiences, even with, we had, you know, loving protective parents, there are things that would have happened in our childhood that were traumatic. And so what our brain has done with those experiences has is typically that they've been suppressed and repressed. And so they've actually been compartmentalized away from our everyday waking consciousness. So, you know, I had experiences when I was four or five, years old that you, you could have sat me on a therapist's couch for 20 years. I don't think I would have unlocked them, uh, honestly speaking. Um, and and when when I started to have my major breakthroughs, you know, those those experiences came back and it was like, oh, well, maybe that's part of why I'm so frustrated. Maybe that's why I'm, it's part of why I'm so impatient. Um, and so, you know, th- that's that's number one. I think the second component is we are so massively overstimulated in our modern in our modern world. There's just so many decisions and so much going on that our our neurology isn't set up to 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 cope with that and so what begins to happen is that we begin to take kind of cognitive shortcuts in our thinking we have to take shortcuts because there's just too much going on we can't take it all in now that sounds like a positive adaptive response but in reality we're beginning to do damage to the very software of our brain and so those shortcuts become the highways in terms of our of our thinking and you know what what i say is that we all know someone in our lives that if you were to present them with, you know, new piece of information X, you already know how they're going to respond to it, even though you haven't presented that to them. And so that's an example of just, you know, it, the, the brain has lost its neuroplasticity. It's, it's become deterministic and it's, and it's tragic, to be honest, because, you know, we've been granted with this beautiful thing called the brain where we're able to, you know, cogitate. And, uh, and, and so to, to, to lose that is just the, the greatest sadness. And so, yeah, what these what these plants, what these substances are doing is that they're, I mean, we understand very little, right? I think that's worth acknowledging, but we're understanding more and more, which is exciting. Uh, and so it, it seems to dampen a, 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 a network in the brain called the default mode network, which is responsible for uh, that. And related networks are responsible for one, um, uh, 
uh, ego and identity. It's responsible for uh, um, compartmentalization. So the ability to keep things separate to a great extent. Executive function is, is also kind of um, another word that you, you hear used in relation to that. Uh, and then it's also responsible for kind of past and future. So anytime your, your brain kind of daydreams or wanders back into the past, you know, that's a form of depression to some extent. Uh, and anytime your brain wanders off into the future, that's kind of could be interpreted as a, as a form of anxiety as, as it is the case commonly for some people. Um, and, then, and then I think the other dynamic that's, that's worth bringing up is that the, the conversation that we're having around mental health at the moment is just completely and entirely ridiculous. I, often you'll hear that, you know, we've set this kind of subjective bar. And if you're below the subjective bar, then you've got a mental health, you know, you've got a mental health problem. And if you're above this bar, then, then you're good. And it's like, no, that's, that's fundamentally not, not the right paradigm. The, the reality is we can all improve in our mental health every single day. And that should be a, a substantial part of, you know, the effort and the focus and the purpose of life is to improve your, your, your consciousness. Um, and so, ah, yes, you've, uh, you've pulled it up here. I'm, I'm glad. I'd, I'd love to talk through it because I've had my own journey. Um, uh, you know, when I started working with those experts, I was stuck in, um, I was stuck in pride. Uh, and so it's been a, it's been a fascinating journey moving up, uh, through the, um, through, through these levels and, uh, and the associated experiences that come and the associated motivations, like the, the daily motivations, you know, as, as I've moved along, it's been like, okay, that, that motivation is no longer there. It's like, it's been kind of pulled out from under me to some extent. So now the motivation needs to come from a different place. Now, where is that place so that I can find it and, uh, and begin to, and to begin to build upon that, that new place of, of motivation? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I love all that. And again, there's so much to dive into. I don't even know where I'll start. But I think I'll just I'll go to the Hawkins scale of consciousness that I brought up because I think it's really fascinating. When I was living in Nelson, British Columbia, I was living in a yurt and uh, snowboarding and doing some work and meditation and also, um, you know, doing a little bit of writing and reflecting and all that kind of good stuff and also cold training actually at the time. And so there's a a company there called Focus Life Force Energy, and they use the Hawkins map um, to do some very interesting work. But when I look at the scale, and you start at shame being the lowest one, shame and guilt, and it seems that we live in a society where that, whether it's from our childhood and our past, but we, we have so many people that are in shame and guilt, and you move back up and you got grief, then you have fear, and the world is kind of gripped in fear. We've got anger, pride, courage, and then finally at 250, you have neutrality, and that's almost a little bit of an equilibrium, and I like when you go up, you got... Um, Willingness, acceptance, reason, love, joy, peace, and enlightenment at 700. And I've met very few people that can go around in, in, in states above neutrality. You know what I mean? In, in courage or willingness or acceptance or reason. Most people are literally under, under neutrality and they're more in pride. They're in anger. They're in deep desire. They're in fear. And so I guess what I'll ask you is in your work – what do you recommend for people to begin to scale this? Because my curiosity was enlightenment. You know, how do I, how do I be enlightened? How do I get in this enlightenment state like Jesus or the Buddha and stay there? And I haven't figured it out yet. Um, and so for me, what it's been like is um, quality practices, um, doing work that fulfills me, but is also a service to other people. Um, taking care of my mind, body, and spirit in, in men, you know, different ways, whether it's 
journaling or meditation or going to the gym, just making sure I'm taking care of myself in some sort of way and also pursuing my passions and really listening to myself. So you're going to need some sort of self-reflective practice. But, you know, it's funny because I'll get off a podcast, talk to someone like you, and then I'll get super angry and, uh, you know, <laughs> over, over nothing. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. And, you know, my partner will give me crap for it. And, and I'm just like, yeah, I know. I don't know. I'm like the angry monk. I was like, where would I be if I weren't doing all these podcasts and I weren't reading all these books on spirituality? What kind of consciousness would I have then? And so what it's been for me is this constant reminder to come back to center, to come back to peace, to understand that there is that space that you referred to earlier as like, holy crap, I'm one with the universe. I've been to those spaces and they're beautiful, magical. And for some reason, I'm not allowed to stay there. So it's getting better at reminding myself when I slip down that scale to come back at least to peace and presence and then see if I can work my way up the scale. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think you, you, you raise a couple interesting points here. And I think um, actually, could we could we have the scale back up there? Um, because I'd love sure, to talk yeah. the dynamics that I, that I have seen and felt from the scale. So I think one is it's, um, you know, as you say, I think even even the most successful people that we, you know, in the world um, are typically, as you say, there's they're typically somewhere around 175 to 200, you know, two, 250, I, I would say is, is kind of within that range is where you see the very successful people, typically speaking. So, you know, I was in the corporate world, I was, I was, you know, I guess somewhat successful by, by modern standards. I was, you know, chasing the dream anyway. Um, but I was very much stuck in pride. Um, and um, so, so what, what's, what's, what's happening there is that often there are lower level emotions that people are still hanging on to. There's traumas, there's experiences um, that are keeping them, that are keeping them down. And so there's a real point of 200 is really like the critical point between truth and falsehood. Um, so anyone who, anyone who's interested in personal development, I would really, really encourage them to read David Hawkins book, letting go, um, which is, kind of the what the the work that sits behind this scale um, and it doesn't require plants I mean plants are an incredible powerful modality but actually going up the scale is um, is, is a single process and the process is letting go um, so being able to do emotional processing so when as and when emotions and come up that you actually go into those in the physical body and release them out um, and that's a that's a powerful process that he illuminates in his in his work and I think honestly speaking his work was ahead of its time and so it hasn't gotten the attention that I think it it, it actually deserves and so I mean you you can hear him speak in his audiobooks and whatnot he's gotten so many of them out there I mean there this guy's not messing around like he is definitely knows what he's talking about like his, his combination of language is just you know it's it's, it's incredible you got pause go back 15 seconds you're like let me get that again because that was that was a connection of ideas that was pretty profound and so you know he's he's certainly fully realized and um and so you know as as people progress up through this and let go of those lower level emotions um it becomes a real self-fulfilling cycle you know once you're getting up to 250 300 you now understand this process you now you you're seeing the benefits of the quality of your everyday life and boom you know it's it's going up and up and up and so i think the yeah, I know that, you know, and, and the motivations change as well. So, I mean, like I've, I've been fortunate enough to have been at peace for about um, three or four days. Uh, and I just felt over that period, all negativity, like the possibility for negativity was just leaving my body at, at pace, like all negativity, like all of it. And I was just like, whoa, this is an incredible experience. Uh, and then, the, but the, the challenge there at peace was that uh, it was, um, I mean, the, the worldly motivations just completely dissolve. Like there is just absolutely no interest in, 
you know, growing a business and adding to, like everything is just perfect <laughs> the way it is. And so the ability, the thought that, that you might be able to add to that perfection is just beyond, beyond comprehension. And so yeah, it's four days of just absolute joy and bliss and, and peace. Right. Uh, and then I kind of, I dipped back down into the five hundreds uh, and that's when, you know, I was able to, to come bring, bring, bring the, the worldly motivations back to life and get to work uh, kind of growing and, and scaling and establishing this, this business. That's funny that you say that because um, there's, <laughs> there's been uh, several experiences in my life and from other people like uh, Eckhart Tolle, apparently when he had his, you know, awakening and realization, he's just sitting at a park bench for two years and like, I don't need yeah. to do anything. And uh, my friend Tyrone that I wrote about in Zen Athlete, he has an extraordinary story where he talked about wanting to know God and, you know, he'd always been spiritual. So he read 400 books in one year, all on spirituality, enlightenment, things like that. He's like, that did, he goes, that didn't work. So um, I decided I was going to spend the rest of my life in meditation until I knew. And he goes, you can't fake that. He's like, I was never going to come out. I was like, holy crap. So what'd you do? And he goes, well, I started meditating. I was like, like how? And he's like, well, uh, He's like, I started meditating on one with God. I said, for how long? He's like, 20 hours a day. I was like, 20 hours a day? Oh, my God. He's like, yeah. And he's like, and I was never going to come out. And he basically said it just so happened to be around 100 days. He had this like realization where he thought, um, and I actually had met him in Vernon, British Columbia at an ayahuasca ceremony. And, uh, you know, he goes, it's kind of like ayahuasca where you can't really describe it. And I had an opportunity to go the other side, but I didn't. And he's like, when I came out, um, you know, I couldn't function. He's like, I observed my body for seven days. So I'd stopped meditating and I observed my body for seven days and I watched how the universe took care of me. And he goes, he was like, I couldn't make a decision. And, uh, you know, again, I, I, I knew the guy several times and I get in, in no uh, way. Hold on. Hopefully that's not ringing through. How do I, there's no way, even if I put my phone on um, airplane, somehow it gets through the computer. Um, so he was, he was saying, um, you know, He's like, it was a really interesting experience and I, and I wanted to, you know, do more things here, but he goes, you can't function there. He's just like, there's no functioning. He's like, we want to live in a world where we do have the scale. We want those experiences as a human. We want to be able to express those. We don't want to be stuck in that scale. We, we want to know that we can attain there and that it is possible, but it's not a place where you can function. But as you kind of shared in your story, um, you know, most people got to get to that tipping point of 200 are, are, you know, just getting to courage, getting the courage to pursue their dreams, getting the courage to face their demons, getting the courage to um, look at their beliefs and where they came from and what's serving and what's not, you know, for yours, it was pride. Some people it's anger, some people it's just desire, you know, and uh, so we don't know where we are in the scale sometimes, but I think it's that will to move up the scare, scale. And I recently read, the Kaimatica or no, the Kaibalian, uh, all the books of the Kaibalian. I think there was a set and, and I can't remember exactly all of them are, I don't know if it's a set of Kaibalian or what it was, but, but one of the laws it talked about was um, the law of polarity and how it's all on the same scale and you just move up or down it, you know? So if you're in love, the polar opposite is hate. So you're on the, you're on the spectrum and you could yeah. go down and the idea is to use your will to move up. And so do you want to comment on that or do you want me to throw you a question? Yeah, um, I, I like that. I like that, and I think yeah, experiencing experiencing polarity is uh, is what is what life is life is all about, right? Um, I think you know there's um, I think there's an interesting thought experiment in relation to that, which is 
if you had a blank universe and you got the opportunity to design it from scratch, what would you do differently than what we, what we have the opportunity to experience today? And it's, it's an incredible thought experiment. Like what, what could possibly be better than, than the, than the experience that we have today? And so, you know, like there's, you know, some of the, some of the ancient and, and kind of karmic traditions believe that we are so unbelievably lucky to have been incarnated as humans because we can work on our karma. We can work on our consciousness. We can, we can, we can go into that human experience and recognize it for what it is. And we can also abstract from it and look back at ourselves and see that the silliness of that desire or that anger or that fear or that shame uh, and begin to treat it for what it is. And so that, that human experience that you spoke about, I think that's so important that, that one, that we recognize it for what it is and the, the growth opportunity that it represents and two, that we do also, that we also do remain, remain and remind ourselves that we are here for a human experience. You know, you can, you, you can detach and, you know, go into a cave and sit there for, for 30 years and, and you'll see a lot, no doubt. But um, is, is, that, is that the energy that you want to bring into the world? If you've had this huge breakthrough in relation to the nature of the universe and, and all of those sorts of things, all of that amazing stuff then you probably also see that we're, we need some help down here on, uh, down here on planet earth. And so how about, how about you get to work and uh, move us along in the right direction? <laughs> and you know, it's maybe it's all pre foregone conclusions. Maybe that's what you believe, but I think we can, I think we can all add some value. So uh, that's part of the excitement of waking up every morning. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it reminds me of Alan Watts, you know, the meaning of life is just to be alive. And, you know, so much, so many of us miss it. And I like how he continues to say that, you know, um, you play an instrument, you don't work it. And so, you know, we're supposed to play and experience life and, and to like, enjoy it and get in the mix. And we could be on the, on the mountain, but we're not engaged in the process. And if that's your calling to, you know, to go and, and meditate in the mountains and do that kind of thing, um, that's fantastic. And I'll tell you, I went to the mountains where there are Tibetan monks that meditate. And, you know, they say it's a very human experience. They're, they think about the regular world. They think about their process. Um, they think about their work in the monastery. Because um, where I was, they're translating the, the Buddhist texts into English. And they say it's time for the world to hear it. And that was like seven years ago now. So I'm wondering where they're sharing it at or if they're sharing it. But that's one of the reasons um, why they're, they're translating it. And maybe that's what this is, this great awakening of what we're happening here. We're going to have these ancient traditions. I'd love to see more of the Native American uh, culture and history start to rise back up during these times because, you know, if it goes the bad way, it's going to be the opposite AI, Terminator 2, <laughs> Borg reality, which is, which is late. I've been talking about it recently and I don't, I don't want to. And I was like, why am I talking about this? Like this sucks. But you know, it was something that I was aware of in the past. Cause I wanted to know about um, how do we make a difference with starvation? How do we make a difference with human trafficking? How do we make a difference with these atrocities that are happening yeah. on the planet? And I feel like the first step is awareness. And so I feel like the more we can evolve as individuals, the greater good we're going to help with everyone else. Cause if you're going around in guilt and shame and anger, you're going to be projecting and, and causing that uh, to people are, are enforcing that energetically into the field and physically as well. And so yeah. I want to ask you from your experience, you know, being in the, you know, maybe the pride or, or from what you've seen doing some work and, and being around some people, what can people do if they're kind of stuck at the lower spectrum? Maybe it's just anger and frustration all the time, but what were, what were some big aha moments for you or that you've witnessed to help people start to slide up the scale to more uh, peaceful states of being? Because it's in those states 
where we can open up our mind and pattern recognition and all this stuff that happens in the brain, this neurology and chemicals and all that kind of fun stuff. It starts to happen naturally when you can get to that emotional state. So how do you get to that emotional state? I'm just wondering if you have any tips um, that were helpful for you. Yeah, sure. And I'm glad you defended the, um, the, the, the meditators because they're doing super important energetic work for our planet, like absolutely 100%. Um, but I guess the, my, my comment was, was probably more directed at those who can use these experiences as a bit of a form of escapism and then just kind of revel in the quality of life and, and <laughs> degenerate perhaps. Um, and so, so, yeah, so I think um, it's, you know, I'll probably repeat myself a little bit, to be honest, because I think I do genuinely think that Dr. David Hawkins' work is so profound. It's this it's this one step process to enlightenment. And it's, 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 uh, you know, the way that he articulates it, I really love, which is on the one hand, we have the scientific path. On this other hand, we have the spiritual path. Um, and the scientific path is, you know, the physicist, the quantum physicists, and what they're doing is now the work that's going on today is confirming what the mystics have been telling us for millennia, uh, which is, which is incredible, right? And so now the mystics are telling us that the same thing as the, the quantum physics. And he goes, well, look, you might not have been born with all of these mystical capabilities you might not have been born with all of these you know the the quantum physics you know or, or been born into a in a context where you have become a quantum physicist so um does that mean that you know the the understanding of the nature of the universe is not available to you it's like no absolutely not and so what he's articulated is this process of letting go and it's just by the process of letting go all of this ego all of this identity all of these emotions all of this just let go, let go. And it's this real simple process. And he goes, that's the third path. That's the third path that's available to absolutely each and every one of us. And, um, you know, so, so I think plant medicine is a powerful tool to accelerate that process, um, but the tool doesn't actually necessarily require it. And so, you know, it's, it's, as, as we've worked with more clients, you know, there's, there's definitely some, um, some tips and tricks that, um, that, that are important in terms of, you know, it's hard for people to see their, their mental patterns and everyone's got a victim story or, you know, you don't understand this happened to me. It's like, no, no, trust me. We get it. Like everyone's got, you know, human behavior is not so nuanced as it happens. There's patterns that emerges and the people who've worked with a lot of people are able to really, um, guide people into a into a, a bit of a corner if i may say so that they're really able to to look at themselves in the mirror and go okay now i see it and then boom there's a breakthrough and you've let go of some of those lower level emotions and begun to begun to rise up because really this work is about cutting away those lower level emotions and the moment that you do you just continue rising in your in your levels of consciousness and so um you know th that fundamentally to me is is some of the most important work that anyone can do I love that. And I agree philosophically. And so I'll ask a follow up question because I, when I think about it, I think, yeah, you know, that makes sense. Let it all go. Let the emotions and all that stuff go because I don't know what's going on anyways. You know, really, it's just like, it's, it's way too big. I really have no idea what is going on, but then I, I come back to the idea of how can I influence positive change in the world if I don't effort in some way. And so I've kind of rectified this as a balance of, of will and surrender, you know what mm. I mean? To put an effort forward to something that's fulfilling and meaningful and then yeah. to surrender the outcome. And I'd be curious yeah. your, your thoughts on the, on what he shares on those teachings of, of surrender, right? Cause you're like, yeah. okay, I'm going to surrender, David, you know, got it. Um, but also I got to feed my daughter and 
Um, I have these aspirations. I remember actually being with the monks and on, on another monk side note, I went up to this stupa and this guy's there all day, every day. And they have someone doing it. And there's actually, even when I trekked Mount Everest, there was a, there was a, I was like one, two, three, four days, four days up to Everest. And I think it was six day hike up. You could do it slower, but I think the fastest you can do it is six. So it's four mm-hmm. days up and there's a monastery on the side of the mountain, like on Everest way out in the distance. You can see this monastery. I, I asked my, my guides, I was like, do you know who is there? And they're like, we have no idea. And I was like, I was like, how do you get there? Like, we don't know. I was like, you kidding me? That's like, and I can see it. There's this monastery on the side of the mountain. It's like, we don't, we actually don't know. I was like, oh my God, that's crazy. And it reminded me of uh, life and teachings of the masters of the Far East. Um, so, so one of the things that the, the Buddhist monks said to me, I said, they said, you know, desire is the root of suffering. And at the time I was, I just finished writing Zen Athlete and I said, you know, I desire to, you know, sell a million books because I know that the book will help people. I was like, I don't care if I, you know, I make a lot of money from it, but I know that the information in there can transform someone's life if they knew this information. And they go, that's, that's not desire. I said, why not? And they said, because it's not for you. I was like, oh, Oh, it was interesting, right? Because you you could desire to sell a million books to have praise and pride and ego and money, which those would be great. I, I would, specifically, the money. I'll take I'll take that because for me, money equates to freedom, right? And yep. then I can invest more in the things that I want. I could invest in my friends. I could invest in travel. I can invest in education. I, I could go okay. snowboarding in Alaska, which I've always wanted to do. You know what I mean? All snowboarding is expensive. All, I picked all expensive sports. And so, you know, I want to do those things. And that's what it means. It gives me that opportunity to have freedom. And so it was a nice distinction and a nuance that gave me more understanding of how I could relate to that principle. And I'm wondering if you could speak on that as far as your own uh, understanding or David Hawkins teachings. Yeah. And I, I really like that. I think, um, you know, the, what I'll come back to is probably around the, the, the motivation. Like I think the, as, as you surrender, it, it doesn't necessarily, you know, this work doesn't necessarily require that you go and spend a month doing this, this or that. Like I'm doing, sometimes I'm doing this work while I'm driving me and my girlfriend going for lunch and I'm driving along and I'm, and I'm consciously letting go of something. Uh, and so it can be, it can be really brought into the practice of, of everyday life and, you know, okay, my, you know, one of my team members will say something that kind of raises something. It's like, okay, let that go, let that go. Um, and so, and so it's not about, um, it's not about escaping. It's not about loss, loss of will. Um, um, certainly, you can break through to places where you do lose that motivation, as we as we spoke about before. Um, but really, it's about the the motivation and, and where where the will is coming from. And so, you know, as as you know, I think as we work on ourselves, and and I, my message to people is often is as we work on ourselves people notice and people are like, wow, you've, you've really changed. Like you don't get angry anymore. You don't get upset anymore. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, you know, I've been, I've been working on that. And it's like, oh, what do you, what have you been doing? It's like, so I share with them. Right. And so friends of mine that are, you know, from the corporate world that still haven't given plant medicine a, a chance, maybe they will, maybe they won't. Um, they, they're interested in this and they're like, okay, well that's, that's really interesting because they can really see the shift, see the change. And, um, and so by virtue of, of, of us individually working on ourselves, that's the, that's the ticket. That's the key to, rising you know raising the the elevation for for the globe um and so and so that's you know that's a little bit of the message that i would say is like just work on yourself and then let go of all those emotions and then you're not projecting any of those sorts of things we're not projecting any of those those sorts of negativities into the world and other people notice that other people start doing the same thing and then it's an exponential effect boom and that's going to be what brings us through this uh particularly interesting juncture in our in our collective evolution 
Yeah, that's really well said. And and I love the example because, you know, often they say, be the change you want to see in the world, you know, the most famous quote ever. And it's true, though, when you actually start to act and be that way, it becomes contagious because they recognize, you know, you before and that maybe suffering or the anger that they're still in or the the trap that they feel in. And they say, oh, wow, somebody has changed. And now that's no longer a burden for them. And so if it's yeah. no longer a burden for them, then it can then there's a way for me to um, achieve that too, or experience that as well. And so you show the example and then you can lead the way because what I've noticed is that the more evolved someone is on that, if you just use the consciousness scale, right. And the more into peace and the, and um, enlightenment or uh, courage or whatever, any of those positive traits you want to choose, they always want to bring everybody up with them. Yeah. And if you're on absolutely. the low, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I'm so glad that you quoted Gandhi because it's the perfect example. So Gandhi was calibrating at 700 on the scale, uh, which is, you know, peace. It's at the top of peace, I believe. The British Empire at the time was calibrating at 190. So they were they were in pride. And so one man brought down the British Empire in relation to gaining India's freedom um, just through his level of consciousness. And so this is this is really the ticket, um, and you know, the, <laughs> Britain is still licking their wounds. I think you know your average Brit is still a little. Uh, you know, I used to work with a lot of Brits on on digital transformation programs and the like. And you pick up the phone, and they're so different. You know, they're just like, oh, yeah, do we do we have to do this? You know, like that's the overall. And I, I get it. Their empire has just gone from this big to smaller, 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 smaller. So from a Brit's perspective, like you know, the, the, the opportunities have, 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 have diminished. And so that's kind of built into their culture. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, Gandhi just, you know, with, with his beautiful message and his beautiful approach and nonviolence has just been able to gain the freedom of the entire country. And that's, that's just the perfect example of the levels of consciousness at work. You know, when you say that, it reminds me of something, and hopefully somebody can throw this in the comments, but there's this idea of vibration and basically the higher vibration always wins. And then the lower vibrations are going to harmonize with the higher vibration. I believe there's something in, in physics or in science that has an official term for that. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. This, this work is all vibrational work. So this is 100% related to the vibrational scale. Absolutely. Yeah. And so if you can go in and maintain that high vibration, everybody's going to be lifted up. And, you know, when I was given the example of when you get to a higher state, you want to pull somebody out. And then I think that even unconsciously, if you're below that neutrality, you anchor and you want to pull people down, even if you're not thinking about it, right? You're, if you're angry or, or hurting or in guilt and shame, you're always throwing out these spears and you're making people feel that way, whether you're, un, you're conscious of it or not. I feel like you're, you're pulling people down. And so the highest level of, of consciousness, of fulfillment, of peace, of contentment, of gratitude, of emotions that are not in the, um, you know, in the negative realm, that's, you're going to affect your friends, you're going to affect your family, your community, your children, um, right? Because now that I have a, a daughter, and I always heard this, it's like, they're going to, they're going to do and be like what you do, and your habits and actions, and they're not going to listen to what you say. And I've heard that from everybody. So the better person that you can be, the better example you're going to give them. Yeah, 
Yeah, beautiful. It's um, you know, it was when when I stumbled across these uh, these healers that are doing this work at the highest level. I had a look at the you know they were they charge incredibly for their work, like incredibly for their work. And um, so the, there was a part of me that was like super resistant to um, to to paying that amount of money to do to do emotional work and, and plant medicine work. Um, but then when I took a look at the harmony that they had in their family, I was like, there is something fundamentally different here. Uh, that, that I've not seen before. And so that was what helped me actually overcome that, that barrier that I had is like, they've got a really beautiful and harmonious family. And uh, boy, I might like something like that one day. <laughs> and so, um, and so, you know, the, but yeah, absolutely. You know, the, um, the part of this work is also, um, you know, and, and I didn't recognize this entirely when I, when I started was they would, they would invite me over quite commonly. We just hang out and talk about nothing. And I was just like, I don't know. I don't know what, what was happening there. And then I came to realize it's, it's that vibrational work that's happening. It's just me being in their presence for an extended period of time is, is, is changing my own frequency, is changing my own vibration and elevating me um, personally. And so that's why they're inviting me over and talking about nothing for two hours and having fun. <laughs> and, so, and so there's definitely a component there. And so, you know, we, we all subconsciously get this, right? You, you go and you hang out with a friend. You're like, oh, man, it's every time I hang out with him, it's her, it's 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 a drain right you're being you're being dragged down there's a little uh, energy vacuum there and on the other hand there's other friends you're like man i wish we lived closer together like i just can't wait to the next trip or the next thing we're going to do together because i just we just feed off each other in such incredible ways and so we all subconsciously get this we use the word right we use the word good vibes bad vibes um and so we we, we get it we get it whether we we know it on the textbook level or not yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm thinking about, you know, one of the scientific terms for that is mirror neurons. Um, so, you know, we know that. And then I think about the Tesla quote that says, if you want to understand the universe, think in terms of frequency, energy, frequency, and vibration, I think is how it goes. And, and you're, you're totally correct. And we live in such a fascinating world. These are such fascinating times. And we have an opportunity now to transform like never before. And so many guests that I've had on, um, they went through their great awakening through a transformation, through some sort of challenging time. And I feel like that's what a lot of us are dealing with right now is uh, facing our thoughts and our beliefs and our actions and our livelihood and and, and assessing what is most important, what's fundamental in this, this great shift. And the more that we can take responsibility for our actions for our work, for our vibration, for our states of being, that's really going to assist everybody here for us to be in that integrity. So we can all have that opportunity to, you know, get the levels of consciousness like Gandhi. And then, you know, little pockets of people will, will harmonize, you know, with those high states of being because, you know, it kind of just destroys that lower state because as a human, you want to move to those higher states. You don't want to be in those states of bondage of, um, you know, guilt and shame and, and fear, right? And fear is the biggest control mechanism. And so it definitely totally. can be broken. I can't imagine the guess it would have taken Gandhi to do what he did, but it just shows you what is possible. And it's truly miraculous. Um, you know, I want to thank you so much for your time and, and coming on in the work. But before I let you go, is there any topic or any question that you wish that I had asked that you want to dig into before we, we close this down? Um. I mean, this, this, this is a space that's, that's, the onion's got 20 layers to it, right? And typically conversations revolve around the first few layers of the onion. Um, and I think we're, we're, entering, we're entering a new paradigm of, of what it means to be human and, and our place in the world and our place in the universe. Um, and so it's, it's, that's very exciting. And I think we're just at the beginning of, um, of this understanding. And 
you know, I think, I think what's, what's exciting and important is that there's a real return to people reestablishing their own connection with source, right? Um, the, all of the great religions, all of the great traditions have come out of connections with source, but yet somehow at some point, someone was so much more connected that someone started listening to them as opposed to their own connection. And that's where I think we really began to deviate. And so what, what I see, I think we're seeing now is, you know, you described as the great awakening is everyone's going back to like, I don't, I don't need any master. Like I got my own connection with source. I don't need to, you know, sign any sort of ethical pledge or this or that. That's all nonsense. Like you get it from here, get it direct. The right stuff will come to each of us individually. So super exciting time to be alive. Um, I think uh, the if there's a question, um, hmm. no, no, I don't think so. I really, I really enjoyed our conversation. It's been kind of quite wide ranging. It's been much more like casual and fun than uh, than a lot of the other ones out there. So, so thank you. It's been uh, it's been a real pleasure, Matt. Yeah, it's been a, a pleasure chatting as well. And I love that that direct, you know, that direct IV connection or, or injection from God. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. I saw something today in the in the coronavirus thing. It's just like it's now becoming in a conspiracy to believe that your immune system can do the job it was meant to do. You know, as like this is kind of getting wild. And and you know, I've always been curious about human potential, consciousness, connection with spirit. And I feel like with that level of understanding and that level of mastery, you can heal yourself. I think it was you know David Hawkins like had a bunch of uh, crazy surgeries without uh, anesthetic. Do you know that? Yeah, yeah. No, I hadn't, I hadn't, I, I'd heard of it, but I don't know the details of it at all. Yeah, so I, I, I just kind of came across it. Of, I, I can't remember the details now, but apparently he had like some intense surgeries, like big ones, and he never had any anesthetic. Like he was at some sort of high level. And I had Dr. Nisha Manik on, who wrote an amazing book. Um, just look up Dr. Nishamanic book. You'll find it. I'm, I can't remember right now. It's about the work of uh, Dr. Tillerman, but she also trained with uh, Hawkins as well. And she's like, he was super legit. Like he could feel his presence in the room. And she was a scientist, mathematician, and then our medical doctor, and then moved over into physics because she was super curious about consciousness and some of the things that she said. And so she ended up studying with uh, Tillerman and Hawkins as well you know, trying to map this world of infinite potential. And you've experienced this obviously through ayahuasca and maybe through um, some other states. But when you go, when you have those experiences of consciousness, you realize we don't know anything. It like explodes it into infinity that our small pea brains are not going to figure out. But it's like we're slowly mapping a little bit more information, but we're also surrendering to understand that there is so much there. You would never, ever, ever get it all. So it's like, loving and appreciating and being present with what is around you and knowing that you are connected with the tether to something greater that does have your best interest at heart that is cooperative and it's up to you you have that free will choice to participate you have that free will choice to intend positivity to create over a period of time and not like as an instant manifesto as maybe we believe is possible or maybe where we came or where we're going. Um, but it is really the human experience to be uh, enjoyed and appreciated. Beautiful. I love that. And, and as you were, as you were speaking, you know, there's, there's a few things I think um, I, I realize I haven't done at all any justice to my business and what we're trying to do with it. But uh, let me, let me try to explain it in a few seconds. The, um, you know, what you said in terms of where, where we're going, I think is important. And, and the way that I look at this is, you know, at the one end, we still have indigenous tribes today that are fully connected with nature, living sustainably. At the other end, we've got, you know, strip clubs and skyscrapers and, you know, cocaine and bathroom toilets and all this other nonsense, right? 
And um, so we see, we, you know, our focus as a business is to try to back in your corporate days. Yeah, exactly. exactly. (laughs) My buddy, Euro Taylor, man, he was, he was on the show. He's telling me about some crazy corporate days. He was in Australia flying to, to China or Japan or something. And he's like, he told, he's like, dude, we would just go to these rooms and order what we wanted drugs, anything. Like it was like, it was mayhem. I was like, dude, that is insane. And he's like 24 at the time or something. Just wild. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's, <laughs> Sorry, unhinged, right? it, it, it's so, it's so unhinged. Right. And that's, and that's really the purpose of the business that I'm trying to establish because you know, that's the world that I come from. That's the world that I've, I've been speaking to, you know, fortune, fortune 500 executives. Um, to try to connect this end of the spectrum, you know, the, the, the skyscrapers and the strip clubs and all that nonsense back to the other end of the spectrum. So, you know, that's really what we're trying to do as a business. So if there's anyone who's listening to, to your podcast, that's in a position to connect us into uh, leadership networks that could, could grow in their conscientiousness. That's, that's our number one focus is how do we get those people who are suited up and, you know, under fluorescent lighting and completely disconnected from, the realities of the work that they're doing in terms of manufacturing, in terms of, you know, unchecked capitalism and try and reconnect it back to this other end of the spectrum and go, okay, wow, this, uh, there's some universal laws at practice here that we're currently not observing to the full extent. And we might like to begin to make some adjustments that benefit um, the, the, the greater good in our collective, in our collective trajectory. So that's, you know, we're, we're, um, we're really focused upon impact and getting to those leaders. You know, one of our first clients was this uh, Texas CEO, um, you know, uh, big on hunting dead animals all over the wall and you know um the uh he had girls in different cities and blah 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 and you know we, we took him on a couple private retreats and you know after two after two retreats you know we we kind of packaged it up in a way that he could digest it right and and that's part of what we're trying to do um you know big beautiful waterfront villa in tulum and blah 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 um but but after two retreats he was like wow powerful stuff um what we'd really love to do what i'd love to do is um set up a foundation and have the proceeds going towards the plants and i was like if we can do that with, uh, you know, a Texas CEO after two retreats, then, you know, this is just the beginning. And he's like, and, and I also want to bring some of my hunting buddies and go on a retreat. And it's like, beautiful. Like, this is, this is, this is beautiful work. And so that's what we're trying to do as a business. You know, we're establishing a business model and an architecture that really rewards the abundance. So we pay about half of our product, uh, half of our profits to anyone who refers um, customers in our direction. Uh, and we're just trying to bring more beautiful energy into this world as quickly as possible. That's amazing. I love all that. And and I think about when you're talking about the corporate world of being like disconnected with the neon lights and, and uh, who is it? Oh man, there's this brilliant Dan winter. He talks about how um, the higher up you go in a building, the, the worse your health is because you're actually disconnected from the electromagnetic field of the earth. Like you're literally not grounded. And so I can just imagine like the mo well, I know this, like doing ayahuasca, it's like the most grounding ed- energy in, in the world. You know what I mean? If you're disconnected and you're out there in the neon lights, you know, in the matrix, fully forgot what being humans about, like ayahuasca and mother ayahuasca is like the most grounded thing. It's like Buckley's for your consciousness. You know what I mean? Your mother's loving slap. It's like, what are you doing? It's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I got lost. It's like, all right, get back here, sit down quit doing that, rethink what you're doing, you know what I mean? And, you know, yeah. shape up. <laughs> yeah, 
You know, one one of our advisors for Behold Retreats, he's an ethnobotanist, like self-trained ethnobotanist. Every conversation I have with him is like one of the most humbling conversations I ever have. He calls he calls ayahuasca humble soup, and I absolutely love that. And it's so perfect. It's like, yeah, you know, you just get you just get that proper telling to you, like, all right, all right, I got it, I got it. And then the moment that you think you got it, the next lesson's like boom and then you're like okay 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 and then the next one is boom i've heard this story i heard this incredible story one of our another one of our advisors she said that she, she took a client that needed a few lessons and he got five hours of you are a piece of shit five <laughs> like a literal physical log like that was the lesson for five hours non-stop he did not get to move on from that experience for five hours he was just shown how he is specifically a piece of shit and that was it <laughs> that's a lesson like that's a proper lesson i've never heard of anything quite so static or extraordinary um <laughs> five hours of just non-stop like you are just that and, and nothing else well you know and i know like you know well i'll assume that ended up being a good experience so they could accept that and move forward you know and that's a lot of the thing too with ayahuasca it's not it's not this joyous experience a lot of the time it's it is that humble pie and it is truth medicine and although we may know the truth of us not acting in congruent ways and harmonious ways it shows you in a way that you can't ignore and that's like this is what you're doing you need to understand that and once you have that light shown and you can see the harm that you're doing whether consciously or unconsciously in that ripple and how it goes out it's like now you you can make amends so that you understand and can feel this harm now you can make amends and you can stop making that decision and make a decision that's going to be more cooperative more cohesive cohesive, more natural, more inviting, more harmonious with all of life that you were a part of. Like humans are like the, you know, the angry, despondent children that are just wreaking havoc everywhere on the planet. You know what I mean? They think they own the place. They're just total a-holes wrecking everything. And now they've got like, you know, tools like cars and all these other things. And we can just oppress other people and frig up the planet and do all this kind of stuff and there's such a lack of respect and so if we can just get a little bit of humility and really just be aware of what we're doing and a lot of it unfortunately has to do with money and yeah there are systems of influence in there and that's why it takes courage to do what you know is right and have the faith that the uh, universe is going to respond and help you out and it's you know at the very least a much more fulfilling experience that you're not going to regret um, you know you'll never regret you know doing the right thing by your own um, you know, your own inner guidance system. I feel like we, we put that on the back burner to make a buck because we got to get by and we make these different excuses. But when you're in the humble pie medicine or when you're at that, like that truth moment, you realize it wasn't worth it, you know? And so we need to get back to that. Um, so where can people find, you can comment on that too, but where can people find more, more about your work and your retreats and they want to stay in touch and, and where do they go? Yeah, I'm, I'm on uh, behold-retreats.com um, you, or just Google for Behold Retreats. You'll find us easily enough. Um, so we've, we're, we're kind of building out our network of, um, of really high-quality practitioners. So we're using these scales of consciousness. I've, I've got this superpower in, in our, the guidance that sits behind us, right? So we're able to calibrate not just people, but individual retreat centers, therapists, everything. So we're pulling together like a super exceptional team. So I'm very excited about that. Um, and, and we're doing, you know, there's 
you know, the, the plants are great, but it's the emotional work. It's the mental work that is really the hard stuff. And so we're doing really high quality uh, programs around a really high quality retreat. And so that people really do get the most out of these experiences. They get their breakthroughs um, and, and just trying to do our, you know, I think that, 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 uh, that piece that you said around, more harmony and, and bringing that into the world and taking responsibility. That's it. And, and so that's what we're trying to encourage more people to do is just to find, find the courage within themselves to, to listen to the plants and the rest will, uh, the rest will follow uh, with some good quality, emotional and, and mental work. So yeah, be, be great to hear from, you know, anyone who's, who's in a position to connect us to groups of leaders um, that might benefit from listening to the plants, then yeah, give us, give us a shout. I'm available at Jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, Jonathan with an A at behold-retreats.com. Always happy to, uh, to connect with good people. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, uh, connecting more people to plants and that, that humble pie is humble, beautiful soup is, is amazing work. So thanks for coming on the show and uh, yeah, sharing your, your work. Thank you, Matt. It's a uh, beautiful work you're doing. I, I love it. So uh, let's stay connected. Will do. Sounds good. Okay. See you guys. Thanks for watching. Well, Peace.